Well, all right. It's Rock and Roll Death Brigade Podcast with me, Randy Rocket Cody of TheMetalDen.com. It is May 22nd, 2023, Monday. Hope everyone's doing good out there and having a good start to your new week. We got a lot of ground to cover here before we get rocking with some music. So we're going to talk about some of the latest news stories you'll find over at TheMetalDen.com as well as my personal website, RandyRocketCody.com. You know, there's all sorts of crazy news coming out, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Before we get jamming with some music, we'll talk about some other things going on that I have coming up. Uh, But really, the big story right now is this uh, latest news story about Motley Crue and Nikki Six getting busted miming and fake playing on his bass at a show here for Motley Crue uh, earlier in the year at Mexico uh, is where it took place. And... um, but it happened this year. Now, of course, we know Mick Mars has come out in his lawsuit and said that Nikki Six has been fake playing the whole since the stadium tour began last year. And, you know, his suit is all about outing the whole band and, and this what I've been telling everybody for, you know, for over a year going back last March when I said that, you know, that they were in a bad position with Vince Neal. He was going to have to lip sync. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what Mick Mars is saying is going on. And now he's being punished, uh, and they're taking away his stake in the band and knocking it all the way down from 25% to 5%. So this is what the suit is 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 um, is based on in terms of why Mick is so pissed off. So there's going to be a whole lot more news coming out. Uh, this latest story that I've put up is, has been getting all sorts of uh, uh, people checking out online. But this is the Nikki Six who put his raised his arms up in the air while the bass was playing actually playing notes so it's like how's he how's he playing that if he can't even strum the uh the bass strings how's that bass playing itself well it's because it's called backing tracks and it goes to this uh to the same with the pantera story that i broke uh it's been here in the last couple of weeks that was huge huge story that got all over the place all over the uh different fm rock stations all throughout the united states including alice cooper's uh radio uh show site nights with alice cooper uh all just all over all the way to brazil whiplash.net put the story up so this this zach wild uh playing with backing track story is is just as huge the story with these bands faking it not being authentic it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and so people think that they don't want to believe this that their heroes their idols are faking it on stage but this has been going on for a long time in the entertainment industry, primarily in the pop world with you know, artists like Britney Spears, uh, J-Lo. I've told you about these ghost uh, performers, ghost vocalists that are used. They'll purchase someone's demo from a, a young unknown singer and you know that serves as who's been uh, a, a backup singer, if you will. And then they take that, that person's material and they actually use that person's vocals as J-Lo's main vocals. <laughs> this stuff has been going on. And so we've got a lot of stories coming out of Motley Crue camp that we'll continue uh, to uh, to let you know about. Of course, the latest stories you're going to find at TheMetalDen.com. Uh, Vince Neal of Motley Crue has announced that he's got a, uh, a solo performance he'll be doing at the uh, third annual Big Machine Music City Grand Prix. This is... 
is going to be a concert that uh, he swears he's not going to lip sync. This is, they've, they've reached out to TMD, and, and that's that's the promise that's been made, which, uh, okay, well, I guess you're all in for a big surprise then with, with how bad the vocals are because he has not been singing on, on this uh, Motley Crue tour. His voice is so shot that I'm told that they're having to do everything in the studio for Motley Crue's uh, new album that they're working on with Bob Rock to try and, and come up with a way through artificial intelligence, through uh, using his son, Vince Neal's son's voice in the studio, to Scott Stapp, to doing whatever they have to do to be able to get these notes hit in the studio and then mix it with Vince Neal's uh, voice, whether it's done uh, artificial intelligence, they can do it, or... You know, they just seamlessly are able to mix it together in the studio. So we're going to see how that works. Vince Neal's voice is gone. Uh, it's a big joke, just like Nikki Six saying that he's playing the bass uh, live at these concerts. No, he's not. Bob Rock is covering this all up. It's all been intentionally done to deceive all the fans. Nikki Six cannot play the bass to save his life. In fact, I put up a story at TheMetalDen.com that you can see. That is pretty hilarious. It's a Nikki Six playing what I, I'm calling the worst bass solo of all time. It clearly shows he does not know how to play the bass. Anybody can goof around and try to fumble around and play notes if they think that they're you know getting somewhere on the bass. But anybody who's a trained musician like I am has been playing the bass religiously for a very long time, like I have, knows that that dude cannot play the bass. Now this has been. You know, going on for a long time, Bob Rock said that when he hooked up with Motley Crue in 1989 that Nikki Six had been taking bass lessons. Oh, really? He was taking bass lessons. Ha, 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 Yeah, sure. Uh, and he was playing with his fingers. Well, I don't see him playing with his fingers now. He doesn't play with both his hands on the bass. He's, he's walking through on the stage with his arms in the air, and the bass is miraculously playing. So... Come on. I mean, this just continues to get worse. I caught Tommy Lee fake drumming on tour last year, and that was really what was the catalyst. I'm being told to get Mick to uh, really lay into the band uh, legally and to say that they're the ones that are ripping everybody off. Mick is saying, I'm the only one who's actually playing live, yet they're trying to say that Mick is the one who's got the cognitive decline because of his age. So I said all along, all the mess that was going on, I was dead on the money. And it's just, it's just getting worse and worse. And it all it's going to do is go downhill from here. How they think that, you know, Tommy, uh, or I should say Nikki Six says that they've got this new album finished, what, in a week? <laughs> they just start recording this thing. This thing is all being just, just put together with AI and, and, and all sorts of uh, technological trickery to get this done. Because there's no way that within a week or two, that you can complete writing an entire album when you haven't done it in 15 years. Okay, so some of the other stories you'll find at TheMetalDen.com uh, do include... We've got uh, Asthma has debuted a new music video that you can check out. They're originally uh, formed in Madrid, and you can check that out. Uh, at TMD.com. You can also check out Voivod re-recorded their version of uh, New Age Fractal. You got Cadaver, who de debuted a new single music video. Midnight City uh, from uh, Sweden. They sent this to me and asked me to put this up. A UK tour for uh, their new uh, 
The band's got some new music out. Girls Gone Wild video release. Uh, Marduk has fired their basis for making the Nazi salute on the stage. Imagine that. So shades of uh, Philip and Selma all over again. Footage of Motley Crue's Nikki Six performing the worst bass solo of all time. You've got to see this because he does this cartwheel, like quasi type of cartwheel flip after the bass solo to try to, to take people's attention off the fact that he just played the worst bass solo of all time. It's so spinal tap. You got to see it. He does this, this flip that he continues to do all the way from like literally the back of the stage to the front. Uh, it, it's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And, and I think that you'll appreciate it. Okay, so, uh, well, before we get rocking with some music, I do want to say that I'm going to include here a little snippet in the podcast, my recent appearance on FM Rock Radio WQEE 99.1 in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I was on the show with my friend Ryan O'Neill, and we were talking about the uh, Chris Corn Cornell death investigation, so you're going to hear some of that, uh, as well as some, some music. I'll be back on the radio show again coming up uh, June 7th. That will be the next time on the show. You can follow uh, Ryan on Facebook, Ryan on Radio, so you can get hooked up with his uh, feed there, okay? Uh, so uh, before I, I get rocking with some music, I do want to send a shout out to some of the uh, people out there who have been supporting me and uh, you know, just letting them know how important you are to me, and I really appreciate your support. Uh, I do want to uh, give a shout out uh, first, though, to uh, Overlord Band out of Canada. You know, I've been working as their publicist and we've been doing some great things and we're still getting them submitted to record labels and uh, really, really excited about that. If you're interested, in, uh, you're a label and you want to get some of their music to check out, you can email me at themetalden at gmail.com. But a big shout out to my uh, friend Bronco and uh, an Overlord. You can follow them on Facebook, Overlord Canada. Okay, so check them out and we'll be playing some music uh, by Overlord here in the uh the podcast, but I do want to give a, a shout out to uh, my friend in Los Angeles, Isabella. Uh, thank you for all your support and uh, and all the, the nice things that you say to me and uh, your friendship means very, very much to me. Uh, thank you so much to all the other uh, people out there. You know who you are that continue to support my work. Uh, I, I really do appreciate it. You don't have to, you know, on Twitter or Facebook to share my work. But I see a lot of people do it, and I, I really do appreciate it, okay? All right, let's get rocking with some music. Yeah. 
damn straight, I'm the man around here. That's right. We'll welcome you into the final period of play, ladies and gentlemen. 12 minutes past the hour. We are holding at uh, about 69 degrees in the Atlanta area. And it's all brought to you by our friends at Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street here in New. All right, our final period of play is Wednesday. We got him back again for the second time in, in a month. Two times in one month? Well, the biggest name in heavy metal, period, 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 exclamation marks all beside that. He's the most dangerous journalist in the business. He is the most electrified man in journalism. And by the way, the only one that's worth $9.99 a month. Forget all these other wannabe people online and their YouTube page that tell you all kind of stuff. Please welcome my friend, the one, the only, his name is Randy. Hey, Rocket. Cody, good morning, Randy. Hey, brother, good morning. How you doing this morning on this uh, weird Wednesday, my brother? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm, I'm real happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate having you as we get ready to jump into it, and we're about to do something where there's so many so-called rock stations around, you know, but I'm doing more talk now. But I tell you what, we're going to get into the real rock of the world this morning, ladies and gentlemen, and all these other people... They're going to talk about these people, but the people we're talking about, we actually know. So that's what we're about to do. Let's kick it off with some uh, music news this morning. And I always love to hear the drama in the Motley Crew Bahamas. Let's talk about the crew and the drama going on this morning, brother. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> just another another day in the uh, in the circus of the uh, Crew Stooges, right? Um, <laughs> I like that in the Crew Stooges. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> oh man it just i i don't even know where to start but it's i mean it just every day it's just it's it's something else and you know we've had this big thing you know recent with uh mick mars launching this lawsuit against his uh his bandmates uh saying that he's uh he's being forced out of the band uh a gaslighting, if you will, of him uh, by Nikki Six. Uh, there's a right. there's a whole bunch of different details in this story that's going to come out. I mean, I've been telling people for the past year that things were not going well, and I was dead on the money. Um, but we've got now. There's there's uh, some new stories that have come out at the metalden.com that you'll find right now. Um, right. The big one, the big one that just came out yesterday was, uh, you know, Nikki Six is saying that. Mick Mars first off said that Nikki Six did not play the bass one note uh, during the stadium tour. That he was playing the entire time to pre-recorded backing tracks. Okay, uh, so Nikki Six is his come back out and said that no, that's not true. That he that he has been playing on tour and that Mick is lying. Well, yesterday I posted some footage from their Mexico concert here in 2023. Um, where where Nikki is crossing the stage past Vince Neil at one point during a song, and Nikki throws both his arms up in the air, and miraculously the bass is still playing. Notes are still playing. <laughs> so I put that up for everybody to check out. You know, this is this is just comedy at its highest level. I mean, this anybody in the industry that that has been around as long as I have since the start of Motley Crue. I mean, I was going to, the, to the, their first concert, Shout the Devil, and when I was twelve, you know, in L.A. Um, you know, they came out of my stomps, and so uh, 
the thing is, is that Nikki Six, anybody that knows this whole story, Nikki Six has never been able to play the bass. Okay, now there's there's playing the bass, I and mean, you could put you could put anybody that put a give them the bass and let them try to play on it, fumble around on it. That's fine, and you can sit there and you can just ride the open E if you want and have fun. But there is there there is actual there is a technical uh, you know aspect to bass playing. Um, it's not as easy as everyone thinks it is. I'm actually a bassist, so I know this firsthand. I actually, unlike Nikki Six, who plays with a pick. I play with my fingers, which is 10 times more difficult. Um, and, the and the proper way to play, because that's the best way to get uh, the best tone, in my opinion. Um, plus, you're going to have the best action, uh, you know, with, with, your, with your fingers, I believe. Anyway, so, uh, but you develop calluses. You can bleed from it, uh, from playing with your fingers against the, the, the uh, you know, the, the metal string. And so, you know, it's something that you have to, you have to keep in mind when you're going to go play the bass, but Nicky has never played with his fingers. He's always played with his, his, um, with a pick. And now one thing story that will come out today, it hasn't dropped yet. I haven't pushed uh, published yet on it, but it's getting ready to come out. Um, Bob rock. And this is a story that has, has blown up as well. The story about him, uh, being purportedly the, the ghost basis for the new Motley crew album. Now, what I'm being told is that they're doing everything they can to to try to make this thing work. And, and there's a lot of reasons because because of the lawsuit, they're trying to get these things moving fast with this album, which was pretty amazing. They had nothing going on with this album. Nikki Six says a week ago he starts writing the first song, and now they're done in a week writing the whole album. Isn't that amazing? Well. I, I've been tipped off. This is this is not possible, ladies and gentlemen. There is a this is why albums take in some cases years to make, uh, to even just write the songs, let alone you know go in and, and record them and then you know mix and master. Look, you have to at this point. Yeah, they're 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 pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. They're uh, I'm being told that they're uh, they they're using AI, artificial intelligence, to compose these songs. They're going back to uh, what they're doing, and you can, with artificial intelligence, and this is something that you can see out there with the fake Drake song right now that's out there. Um, there's there's a lot that's going on where you can actually use artificial intelligence to recreate and to uh, to to get an actual that that artist's voice into a song without actually the artist actually even singing. And anybody knows like the Val Kilmer situation with him losing his voice from, from the cancer battle? Well, they they did they did with some tech uh, similar technology. They were able to recreate his voice by just him typing in the computer, and then because they sampled his his original voice from back when he was younger, then this amazing technology, he it it, it he just has to type in the thing and it talks for him. So. This is this is all this technology is really advanced. It's 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 definitely real. It's being used in the music industry. Um, I believe that uh, this article I'll be putting up today about Bob Rock. I believe he's involved in the cover up of of Nikki Six, the fake bass player. Um, he said at one point in, in an interview back in uh, uh, several years back that with Gibson, uh, Bob Rock was talking about the whole uh, process of working with Motley Crue, going back to Doctor Feelgood when they first approached to work with him. And then he worked on, right? Then he worked on the greatest hits, and then he worked on the the, the next one after uh, the uh, the one in '94 with John Karabi. 
Okay, they had that. So see how they got rid of Vince. Well, he was so upset and pissed off about that that there, I'm being told that he did not want that to happen again with uh, with this album, and that was a, a prerequisite for him to to produce and work with Motley Crue again. Was that Vince was going to be the singer, and that's because of for for, for record sales. Um, it, Money, money, money. It's all business. So what I'm being told is they're doing everything they can to piece together uh, Vince Neil's voice in the studio with artificial intelligence. Uh, they're even uh, bringing in some ghost vocalists. Uh, I've talked in the past uh, about uh, Scott Stapp. I'm hearing he's 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 in the mix on this, uh, as well as Vince Neil's son, who is uh, who's it who's a. He's an actual singer, yeah, and he's he's been in like a Motley Crue tribute band. So you can see, yeah, yeah, you could. Uh, I guess his name's uh, uh, his last name is Wharton, Neil Jason, uh, if I've got that right. Yeah, um, and he, uh, he a lot of people don't know about him, but he's real talented. He can actually sing. Uh, you can find him on YouTube and uh, and, and hear these. Uh, he sings the old crew classics just as good as his dad did back in 30 years ago. Well, Vince, Vince Neil. Well, Vince Neil's voice is gone. I, he can, if he can't sing on the stage with, and he's got a lip sync, like I said, he was gonna he was gonna do in the first place. There is no way that he's gonna be able to just go in the studio with this broken down voice and record a new album. So they're gonna have to do some. death anniversary for Chris and look back at, at what an incredible legacy uh, that he's had, not just in music, but as a humanitarian. Um, right. That's a lot that's covered in this new report that I put out at the metalband.com today. And um, right. as well, I, I, the, the last half of the report, I actually go, there's, there's some, um, you know, talk, talk about his legacy in music as well. And, uh, but Chris, you know, he was one of a kind. Uh, yeah. And there's just there's nobody that that's, that's anything like Chris. Uh, you know his his music continues to inspire people all around the world, 
and uh, and uplift people. Believe it or not, uplift people. You know, it's not it's not this necessarily this dark, depressing thing. There's a lot of people that really uh, that use Chris as as a, as a positive um, sort of source in their life, and and, and I, as well as I do. And so I think that that's what people need to focus on the most when they think about Chris is is what a uh, what a bright light he was, and and how he still continues to inspire people to this day. Definitely. So we're going to get into talking about the new uh, report out. They, of course, Soundgarden is one of the four pillars of the grunge movement in the uh, late, uh, the early 90s, late 90s, 93, 94, along with Nirvana, uh, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, and Soundgarden. That, those four bands, to me, what really, four different sounds bringing the grunge movement to a head there. So let's talk about your new hashtag true for Chris report posted to MetalDead.com. What is the title and what can the fans expect? Okay, the title is Chris Cornell's Murder, His Brave Fight to Save Children and Expose the Illuminati. And this is uh, kind of like, uh, it gives you the full, if you've not really been on to read about this investigation online uh, yet, and you're just now learning about about this situation, uh, I've tried to kind of give you a review of what's happened over the past six years during my my, uh, independent investigation that I've been doing. And... uh, Includes include different um, videos in, in the report that you can click on and and get a, get a summary by watching a video as well. Besides just reading the report, um, there's actually a uh, a new um, couple different uh, items that that you'll find in there that I've just uh, uh, come across. It was one called "Suicided," a, a document a documentary that was done that I thought was real well done, and 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 uh, I'm mentioned in it. Uh, with my investigation. So I put that in there and that was off of a site called um, dauntlessdialogue.com and I've also linked their article as well which they kind of did like a again a summary of this investigation and they named my investigation the best the best of them all. Of course. <laughs> Pretty amazing. That is awesome brother. I'm so proud of that. That's um, a big honor. You're going to be holding a visual for Chris all day and all night on the DMV site. What what you feel is is the actual Chris death date, not the 18th? Can you explain how you determined that the 17th was the death date instead of the 18th? Yeah, what I did during my uh, my forensic analysis of the of the homicide scene uh, with. with in respect to Chris, when he left the Soundgarden concert um, on the 17th, um, I believe it was sold out there in Detroit, and he went back to his hotel room. Um, there's just a lot of foul play that, that that seems to have happened behind that that closed door. We know that his bodyguard was with Chris at all times at that point in his life, and and Chris, they're they're saying purportedly Chris was going off the rails and was was having some kind of a, a manic or some kind of some kind of an episode where he was uh, he was arguing with his wife on the phone. She that's what she claimed, and then at some point he's left alone by the bodyguard, and 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 then he's he supposedly takes his life. Well, what I found out from my investigation is that there was there was a lot more going on there. There was a, there was an actual fight that that broke out inside that hotel room for Chris to suffer the kind of physical damage that he did it would not be consistent with a 
suicide uh, by hanging. Um, Chris was also only partially suspended. Uh, people don't realize that, meaning he his both his feet were not off the ground. Okay, so um, when when he was found, you know, they found a lot of different injuries on him that I pointed out, uh, including a head wound that uh, would be consistent with with someone uh, being attacked. Um, uh, uh, Fractured, you know, ribs, nine of them. That's just not consistent with someone who's who's hung themselves or has, has had CPR performed on them. That's in Chris's shape. Now, if he was an elderly guy and, you know, a lot more frail, then, yeah, when you go to do the chest compressions, you can do a lot more breaks. But Chris was a real healthy, you know, early 50s, took really good care of himself from the people I spoke to who are around Chris um, at the time, it last couple years of his life. He was in really good physical shape, taking care of himself, real healthy. And so these these injuries are just, uh, they're, they're suspect. And now the one thing that I determined, and to answer your question, is that I pushed the clock back on Chris's um, time of death by two hours. I pushed it back from 1.30 in the morning on the 18th, which is when they, the death pronouncement was done by the, right. uh, by the authorities. I pushed it back two hours to 11.30 p.m. on the 17th because uh, because what I found out about how long it takes the, the body to become cold to the touch. Um, even in just a regular 70-degree uh, temperature room, it's still going to take a couple hours. So that's what I did because the, the, um, the guy that was on the scene, the medic, that was one of the comments that he made. His observation was by touching Chris, he was cold to the touch all over his entire body. So for that to happen, it takes at least two hours. He would have to be dead. So that pushes the clock back to, to that time. Like I said, two hours back to 11:30 PM uh, on the 17th is when he would have actually died. It, it sounds like uh, there's a lot to this because I know that you've done some interviews with uh, Detroit News uh, back in 2017 about this particular suspect Well, um, I think once I started really reporting heavily on it uh, with these, these long format uh, forensic dissertations that were yeah. just blowing people's minds, you know, and, and then connecting the fact that, you know, Martin works in, in the security business and, um, and, and I learned he was connect, he's connected to Mossad, which we know that Ghislaine Maxwell, who's the one that got uh, the 20 years in the Jeffrey Epstein uh, Orgy Island uh, fiasco, the human trafficking and all that with the elites related to that and the Black Book, you know, that this, this uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, her father, Robert Maxwell, was, was Mossad. So I think that because I made such a, because I outed uh, this, this guy, uh, they, they had to take, the, you know, they decided to take it out. Um, I don't know why they would do that, but I, I was, it was literally the last question that the was asked of me in the interview by George Hunter. Uh, the last thing he says is, who do you think did it? That was the last question he asked me. And I said, who I, my prime suspect is Martin curse and the bodyguard. And at that time, this whole thing with the pizza gate and connecting all the dots to that and everything was still 
was it was still so early on that I was still just trying to focus really on it as 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 an individual homicide. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, normal, normally, when when they do write a article like this, they go, "He thinks the suspect was the bodyguard." They could have, if, if they could have, if they decided to leave his name out for, say, legal reasons, they could have said that they you know, said he believed Chris Cornell's bodyguard was the prime suspect, but just completely leave it everything out like you like you didn't even mention that. It's almost like somebody called him and said, "Hey." Yeah. Well, you know, people have to realize I was doing a lot of interviews and ha still have been, uh, but I was doing a lot of interviews around that time. And I did one interview uh, and Vicky's brother, Vicky Cornell's brother, actually tried to, to interfere with me going on the radio show. That makes sense. So makes he sense. said he did not want me going on the radio show. So that was what was that's what the host was telling me. So, um, I said, well, I said, you don't have to have me on if you don't want it. But he had me on, you know. It, it, it's just, I think it's very telling. I think all this stuff is very telling. I think it's, it's it continues to to point to, to foul play. I mean, uh, you know, Vicky moved so fast to, to cremate Chris when she's got all these questions and stuff about uh, what, what kind of drugs are in him and this sort of stuff. Why wasn't, uh, uh, why wasn't a, a, a full-blown analysis uh, allowed to be done? With uh, with respect to um, you know that 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 sort of thing, and so I, I have no idea why why she would behave that way if she really did love her husband and she's not some uh, evil person who's got some you know some 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 kind of uh, sinister uh, plot going on behind the scenes against her husband. I I told everybody the facts with the the, the foundation that Chris and Vicky had that it went black right before he died. And and there was all sorts of controversy with the money uh, going missing from from the account. Um, Vicky is at the top of, of uh, the totem pole as far as running the foundation, um, but there's just a lot of really suspicious things going on with that at the same at the same time that Chris dies that that gets you to wondering. You've been wondering too because think about it. If you would think that a loving wife. Even one that maybe has a little distance there, I mean, in this situation, would want the truth to come out about her husband, especially with the foundation that they were here helping children out, helping people out, making sure, you know, because they were against human trafficking, which is very big on the West Coast, but it's very big in Atlanta. But Vicki Cornell acts very highly suspicious since her husband was found dead. We know she kept changing her story with the police. What other evidence do you have that you have uncovered that points for her being involved in this murder? Like, was she the call person to get it done, or did, you know, how, what's her involvement in it? Well, uh, that that's a great question, and it and it can be as simple as uh, you know, make, pulling the strings from from behind. Uh, um, a, a closed curtain, you know, and, and, and nobody seeing what she's doing and, and her, her manipulating things from behind behind the scene. And so um, what um, what I found in my investigation, this is this is uh, in the report and it goes more into this black book that Chris Cornell came across uh, from Jeffrey Epstein uh, that was owned. Uh, that was Jeffrey Epstein's black book. And this has uh, has named a whole lot of different people that were um, that were part of his inner circle. And were, apparently, were going over and flying over uh, at times to Orgy Island. And um, 
this this is uh, big because you know we're talking names like um, the Clintons. Uh, Courtney Love um, is named in there. Now Courtney, she was oddly enough, she was at the funeral for Chris Cornell, yeah. right? And and she's connected to Prince Andrew. There's belief that she's been having some kind of an affair with Prince Andrew over the years. Uh, Prince Andrew has been outed as being involved in this um, this this whole uh, scandal of, of of you know getting with uh, younger girls and and being involved with uh, sexual abuse and this sort of stuff. And he's 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 been uh, he's been pretty much um, uh, you know he's been brought to the uh, brought to the floor on this by by the royal family. Um, they he's been stripped of. Yeah. Yeah. So he. <laughs> well, um, he's yeah, he's a big part of this investigation as well. Uh, but that's what connects this whole thing. Now, Vicky, uh, people have to understand, Vicky. Um, <laughs> It's oddly enough, but you know, my I'm a publicist, uh, you know, in, in rock and roll, and so and so was Vicky. Oddly enough, um, yeah, Vicky's been doing this for quite a while, like me as well. Um, she's worked with um, a lot of different artists, um, Marilyn Manson. Um, she's worked with Johnny Depp. Um, she actually, what I found out is she went uh, over to. Uh, to France, um, Paris, to help Johnny Depp open up a bar. She was doing the publicity for it to get this thing launched. And um, if you followed my story about this, the black, the two black books that I did in Chester Bennington, which ties in as well, that uh, this goes back all the way to 1947 in the Black Dahlia, and and that, yeah, we talked about that, and that's. That the the uh, that girl who died who got cut in half uh, this aspiring supposed actress was was working I found out as a lure for in 1947 for big mucky mucks in Hollywood including uh, uh, director John Huston being a lure to get them uh, kids and um, and then and then she was found dead that way and so um, this this connects because what I found out in my investigation on Black Dahlia is I named for the first time a prime suspect in that case. It's never been named a guy named Man a guy named Man Ray M A N Ray A R A Y Man Ray. He was a famous artist who came from France and he was in uh, America for a while at that time. And oddly enough, he was able he was allowed by LAPD to flee without any questioning. They questioned one of his friends. A guy named George Hodel, who was a a, a doctor and, and and was doing uh, um, abortions and stuff for for uh, elites, and um, and so he he was he was the one, in, including his son Steve Hodel, tried to come out and say that my dad is the <clears throat> the Black Dahlia killer. Well, that's not what I, that's not what I found. I found that it's the Man Ray guy that they're uh, that's being protected. He was allowed to uh, flee without any questioning. And he's done all this bizarre art where he's he's really into like abstract stuff and like the figures of women being dissected and cut in half in the pictures and stuff. And I don't know how much more telling that can be. Now, the most important thing to understand is that Vicky, when she was going uh, to work on this club with Johnny Depp, guess what the name of the club was? The bar. Was it Man Ray or Man Ray? 
<laughs> it was Man Ray. Oh my God! <laughs> what a and Johnny Depp was infatuated with that. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, Johnny Depp, he's got his own uh, his own controversies, of course, tied to that whole the River Phoenix death at his his Viper his Viper Room Club, and you know, all this stuff is so fascinating because you know, um, having been in, in Texas now for all these years, and, and and having grown up in LA as I did, all those a lot of those clubs are just they're gone now, including the Viper Room, and um, so it's a real you know that that scene the sunset strip scene has changed drastically it's it's still it's still a, a great place for for entertainment but it's it's changed a lot and so that that club is real important to understand about this story um and, and johnny depp and the the river phoenix well uh believed was that he was potentially um he was potentially hot dosed on purpose to kill him and Johnny Depp's own partner in in the Viper Room Club, he just went missing and has never been seen again. So Depp is Depp is somebody that <clears throat> you know a lot of people have been keeping their eyes on, uh, and and I think that that's stuff that's going to come out more in, in the open here in the future. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's uh, we got a few more minutes with you. Let's conclude this with a couple other questions about uh, Chris Cornell. Do you have a favorite song by Soundgarden? Uh, that's a great question. It's a hard one to answer. I mean, I, I, I really love all his stuff, but, um, you know, Black Hole Sun is probably my favorite song. Yes, I love that song. And now we're finally going to release their final album with Chris on vocals. Do you have any information about that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, Let's talk about it. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, you know, that was something that Vicky was battling against Soundgarden, if you were following the news on that, and, and they finally just got things settled where now they're going to, Soundgarden can actually release these songs. They apparently had, after their last album with Chris, um, they had begun to do some more songwriting, and they've got six, from what I'm being told, six songs in the can with Chris. Um, I don't know if there's more, but I heard six, and so... Apparently that's what we're gonna um, we're gonna get we're gonna get a, a final Soundgarden album. It's what I'm hearing. And this is gonna no release date yet, but it's it's full go and it's gonna happen. Oh, I can't wait for it to happen. I know you'll have the information on Melody.com with with the release date and everything. And before we move on to what reports you're working on next and all that, since you are doing this uh, uh, all day and all night. Uh, Celebration of the, the life of Chris Cornell. Would you be doing a special podcast for it like you did last year? Oh, that's a great question. <clears throat> well, um, <clears throat> I, I'll have my podcast will happen again here. Uh, it happens uh, every Monday, so it just it just passed this this past Monday. If you go on Spotify to Rock and Roll Death Brigade, you'll get all the right. weekly episodes. Um, I will. Uh, We'll be talking about this report more in depth in the next podcast on this coming Monday, okay. and as well as the the vigil and, and how things have turned out. But the vigil is pretty much for everybody, for themselves to uh, take part in from their home, um, from their work workspace. Um, you want to you know have a candle nearby, you want to light it, maybe take a picture and post it on your Twitter, your Facebook, and put hashtag Truth for Chris. Uh, however you want to do it, you can tag me, Randy Rocket Cody. Uh, on the Facebook, so it appears on my page. But it's really it's just something for, I think for people who are real close to his music and and, and close to uh, uh, Chris as, uh, as as a person in terms of what he meant to everyone. 
then you should you should do something like that, you know? I will be uh, will be doing here a part three of the Chris Benoit uh, death investigation. Yeah, we'll have part three, and that's going to be a big one. I've been really working hard on that. I've got some really incredible revelations I'll be sharing. That'll be coming here at the start of the start of the month uh, around that point, and then I'll have uh, more coming on <clears throat> Jack the Ripper, the Zodiac Killer, and uh, we'll get back into more on Brandon Lee. So we're going to have a whole yeah. lot of stuff going on. Of course, you can follow me uh, on Facebook, Randy Rocket Cody. You can follow me on Twitter, Rocket Metal Den. And of course, metalden.com and my uh, personal site, randyrocketcody.com. Sounds good. Well, Randy, it's great to have you with us again. We'll get you back on again next month and uh, we'll get ready to do some more in the month of June. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, follow him and become a part of uh, Randy's uh, uh, elite under the metalden.com and randyrocket.com. Make sure you do that. Follow him and support him as well and get there and read these ones.
Zach Wilde of Pantera has been busted using backing tracks at Pantera's first U.S. concert in years. Black Label Society guitarist and Pantera fill-in guitarist Zach Wilde was caught faking it. Zach Wilde was not playing a Digitech whammy pedal like Dimebag Daryl does. In fact, he was not playing. Dimebag was being piped in to the concert. It is called Backing Tracks. Mm -hmm. 